Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God Pray with me. Father, we just ask you to um, just bring your word alive. We cannot do life without your word. We cannot do church without your word. We cannot do family without your word. We've got to have it. We can't replace it for even just worship and prayer. Even though those things are beautiful, we have to have your word. So let this go forth, God. Let this be alive. Let this message ring out in our hearts and minds and let people be full of your peace and hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Were you guys here last week when Sarah preached? What what'd you guys think? <laughs> she did pretty great. Right. Um, she's really, really gifted at preaching. She's not in here anymore, is she? So um, <laughs> we can be honest now. She's awesome. I told you guys I wasn't preaching last week, and you all cheered. And then I had six days of a insecurity bout, so thanks for that. <laughs> it was fun. Um, so anyway, last week she spoke, and she started Advent, and she talked about how the whole world is groaning, and even we're groaning in the midst of um, things that are hard to have peace through and have joy through and to even have hope with. And I thought it was one of the best messages I've heard. I always think she preaches some of the best messages I hear because she's just well thought out, and God really uses her to attach Scripture together. So... We're just talking about how good you did last week. They actually rated you from 1 to 10. <laughs> 50, 50, 50 is what they said. So today we're going to continue with Advent, and this week's theme for Advent is peace. Everyone say peace. peace. So I find myself with the word peace and even the thought of it when I'm praying for people, which is one of the things I absolutely love to do, I find myself praying for that a lot. It's almost my go-to without even really thinking about it. Uh, a lot of times that's what I'll do. I'll pray that God will give you his peace. Um, if you're someone who's ever experienced the peace of God, then you know why you want his peace, right? If you're someone um, who has never experienced the peace of God, then you maybe don't know what you're missing. And, and that's okay because he sends himself in the form of Emmanuel to pierce into situations. He's not waiting for you 
to be what you need to be for him to give you peace. So um, I think it's a little bit ironic that the second week of Advent is happening in the midst of what we're experiencing right now as a world. Um, even this past week, it's, 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 it's frightening to me that it's not even shocking anymore to turn on your TV and even what happened, happened. It wasn't, I mean, it is, it's always shocking, horrifying, but it's, it's kind of like normal now. Isn't that crazy? I mean, part of it has to do with media and it's everywhere and it used, didn't used to have that much of an outlet. Part of it is it's kind of a lot of it right now. And I don't even want to pretend like that's the only storms happening right now in the world. Those are the ones we hear about. But, I mean, macro level, large scale, possible wars. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, since the year 36 B.C., there's been almost 1,500 wars. There's an average of three wars per year. Three wars per year. And that's just nation to nation. What about what's happening in families? What about mom and dad? Or what about work situation? What about the peace that you don't feel just in your own self to live the life that you need to live, right? And not even just ISIS, but the threat of being robbed is probably more real than being attacked by ISIS. Like, even if we clear up, if we decide we're going to destroy this group of people, you're still probably going to get robbed today. <laughs> not really, but there's, there's big threats everywhere. Does that make sense? And so, for most people, when you start talking about peace, it's the absence of bad things, right? Like, when bad things start to happen, we flee, whether relationally, anything. If something bad starts to happen, our natural instinct, if we know it's bad, is to flee. I was actually reading one of the most fascinating articles ever this past week because I'm the, I'm the kind of person who, when I walk into a room, I've cased the room. I don't know why I do this. I know where every exit is. I know how many people I got to get through if something happens. I know who the people in the room are that I need to get on my team. I know all of it. I went to a concert um, two weeks ago with, with Michael, with Jen, and Bill. Went to see Glenn Hansard. He's an awesome guy. But as soon as I walk in, I'm like, guys, do you all know your plan? And they're like, what? <laughs> and so I have to, have to walk them through my plan. And then I read this article, and the article talks about how people in dramatic situations or even open fire situations, I didn't know I was going to do all this, so just roll with me. Open fire situations, we do something that's called normalizing traumatic events. And so in a traumatic event, you hear people talk about on the news, it sounded like fireworks were happening or it sounded like a car was backfiring. And it's not because it actually sounds like that, but you actually overcompensate to normalize because you desire peace that much. That even in the instance that there is something bad happen, you'll, t you'll without even knowing it, talk yourself into making sure. And so this is, this, this is maybe your nugget for life survival today. If you're ever in a situation where it starts to hit the fan and it sounds like fireworks, people who respond immediately are the ones that are given the story later, okay? I didn't mean to do that. I'm just saying, be the person who responds immediately. And so it's a lot like that with peace. We desire peace so much that some of us even avoid the possibility. Some of us have been in relationships for years that are horrifyingly not good, harmful, but we normalize it and pretend like everything's okay, right? So it will be fine, right? And it's not. It's not fine because peace is that important. Peace is so important to us. And so you see it play in marriage. Our first year of marriage, Sarah and I, 
We both were people who very much enjoy the absence of trouble. And so the other person in your first year of marriage is everything about trouble. Like it's this whole other person entering your person and you both have your ideas about how life's supposed to be lived. So our first year was like a lot of car rides that were lengthened by parking and talking and until we got to the point where we realized it wasn't the absence of trouble it's not the absence of trouble that makes things beautiful it's what's happening in the midst of trouble and this is why I personally love the message of Jesus and why I would choose it over any because he's the one who says I'm not going to clear up your whole surroundings I'm not going to destroy all these things I'm going to come into the very midst of those things and be present with you. Now that is different. And that's what his peace starts to look like because there's always going to be storms. If you, if we, listen, if we clear the ISIS problem up, there's going to be another storm. All of us are going to die. Every person in this room is going to get to the point where you're going to get sick and then all of a sudden you're going to die. I mean, that's just, this is a terrible message, but it's the truth. It's true. You cannot avoid it. And so any Christianity built around building walls around and protecting you and keeping you safe forever is not truly gospel because it's never going to happen. And so you might as well make peace with there's always going to be storms, okay? There's always going to be storms on every level, okay? On every level. And so in the Old Testament, in Genesis 14, we see the first time peace is mentioned. It's in the mention of the word shalom. Everybody say shalom. This word does not mean, I hope you have the absence of trouble. This word means, I hope that you receive every good thing coming your way. Okay, it's a whole different concept. In Isaiah 9, 6, and you can bring this up, they start prophesying and looking forward to what they thought would be their Savior. And they use this passage as something to talk about what we know to be Jesus. For For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now the tricky part is when he comes, they had already figured out in their mind what he must come like because they were familiar with military figureheads who destroyed things like David, right, who had killed his ten thousands. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and people are confused. Jesus comes on the scene in the midst of things that are not good. People are being killed worse than what we have right now. And they're looking for someone who comes to destroy all their enemies. So Jesus comes and he doesn't destroy their enemies. He's present even with their enemies. He sits with enemy. He communes with enemy, baffling, and nobody understands it because they knew what they needed. They needed someone to come and destroy all of their problems, right? He doesn't do that. And so he rides in town on a donkey, right? And they're looking for someone who rode into town with swords and machinery that didn't exist then. And he didn't. He comes. And I love the story in in Mark 4. Um, And Sarah, the biggest thing you challenged me with last week, and I told somebody this, was, and your whole message was good, but you said that God had given you one thing, and you knew you had to preach it, and it was groaning, right? This passage, I cannot avoid it for you this week. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. You guys can open up in your Bible. Uh, Jessica's going to bring it up on the PowerPoint. This is going to be our main text. Um, And you guys can read along with me. I'll read from up here. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. 
Is this the right passage? This is not the right passage. So Matthew 35, yeah. This is good, though. This is good stuff. It's really enjoyable. Is it possible to pull it up, or do I need to pull out my Biblia? La Biblia. Possible? Matthew 35 through 41? Yes. Mark 35 through 41. <laughs> Over to Mark 4, 35. You know what? You should all know your Bible well enough to know this passage. <laughs> this is not my fault. Mark 4, 35 through 41. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prime you a little bit. In this passage, as she's pulling it up, a little backstory. Um, they had been ministering all day, so much so that Jesus, earlier in this passage, there's too many people listening to what he's doing, so they, he has to get into a boat to preach to people. I've never preached out of a boat. I think it would be super cool if that happened. I don't know what scenario that happens, but I will do it. Chris Masters knows what I'm talking about. You do that. We'd get in a boat and preach. He does that, and so they get super tired, and later in the day, this is what happens. Are we there yet? Yes, yes. Okay. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. In the boat, there were also other boats with him. Fascinating right there. Keep that in mind. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping. Are you serious? He's just messing with people. He's sleeping. He's just messing with people. He's sleeping on a cushion, of course. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. It's like, just picturing this is hilarious to me. He's like, seriously, guys? Set up, storm, and wind, shut up. And he goes back to bed. He got up the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Kind of mirroring what happens in Psalm 46. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? What? Come on. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is not a story about stilling storms, okay? There's frustration with Jesus. We read this. I've heard sermons about it. Jesus calms and stills the storms. You can calm and still the storms. He's given you all authority and power to do so. That's not what this passage is about. He's frustrated with them, and the reason he's frustrated with them is because they don't know who he is. Even after he does it, who is this? I truly believe this could have been the passage where 12 homeboys plus Jesus did something crazy if they would have not started freaking out. Maybe it had been the story where everybody drowned and came back to life. Maybe it had been the story where everybody fell asleep. If I'm on that boat, I'd jump down there with Jesus and just start holding him. I'm like, if this guy's going down, this guy, I'm going down with him. So what's this passage about, right? Like, I don't even, I don't even throw a stone at them to say, don't ask your question. Are they wrong to ask this question? We would all probably ask the same question, right? So it's good to ask the question, but what's this passage about? This passage is about the possibility of a Jesus being with you when it's terrible. Does that make sense? This was not supposed to be the story about stilling a storm. 
This, he's frustrated. This is the story about curling up with Jesus and finding him in the boat. This is the story about, and I, I do, I do, I'll say this, I believe that the boat is probably a metaphor for life, and I'll say it's probably a metaphor for a lot of stuff. In all of our lives, there's times when the waves come pouring in and where it feels like we're about to be swamped, and a lot of us are saying words that are not appropriate in church, and thinking them, and saying them, and wanting help, and a lot of us at this point, when it does do that, we either escape or we forget about him. So I do say about these disciples, I'm thankful that at least they knew he was who they're supposed to talk to. He was who they were supposed to find. When it's coming in, he, this isn't the story about the other boats in the fleet, right? The story's about the boat that Jesus is in. What happened to the other boats? Did they all drown? I don't know. You know, and talks about two kinds of peace in the Bible. There's objective peace. This is the peace for everyone that God intends us to take to everyone. This is the reconciliation between you and him. This comes through Jesus. This is what we were praying about in the beginning, that on the cross, because of that, we have forgiveness of sins. We have a new nature that's given to us, 2 Corinthians. We, have, we become new in Christ, right? This, the objective peace of God is not the one that you feel. It's the one that says, Sam, because you have chose to put your faith in Jesus, you're his daughter. You are his. There's been peace made between your nature, which was a sin nature because of Adam, and the nature of God, which is good. And Jesus was the conduit in between. You have said yes to that. So the objective peace of God is the peace that says you no longer need to worry about what's happening. You are in Christ. The subjective peace of God, the word shalom, is actually, it has an aggressive factor to it. It's a peace that's aggressive. Does that make sense? And so you don't have to be the subject of um, victimization. You know, like you are the one who gets to choose if you'll lean into the peace of God when the boat's water starts pouring in. It's not, the story will never be calm all the storms. In people's life around you, it's not your job to calm their storms. It's your job to provide a ministry of presence in the storm. If the word says that we are to be like Christ and the way that people know that we are his, if we mimic him, then we to be like Christ for people who don't experience peace is to insert ourselves in their lives. Does that make sense? Because he is peace in storms. Philippians 4, 7, can you pull this up? Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't make sense. I can only speak to this from like the Jason situation and the situations that our church has already walked through, that in the times where it seems like, where it's been the most drastic, I've, I've experienced the most peace by far. I cannot explain that. I cannot explain that. Um, there's two in particular situations in our church that we've had to walk through that have been very heavy and very hard for the people involved. I experience the peace of Jesus more in those two situations than I have at any other time at this church. With Jason, when I'm with him in his room, I experience the peace of Jesus as a, as a thing, not as a thought. It is a visible, not visible, it's a tangible presence that I have this trust and hope and faith that I cannot explain any other way than this has to be this peace that doesn't make sense. He gives us that as Christians. The world does not have that. And so for us, I just, if today, this was my prayer for our, as we prayed for our staff, if you leave, you know, 
with this desire that everything bad in your life would be done, you might have left wrong. But if you leave with where is Emmanuel right now? What and, and you know, what where is Emmanuel right now? Like none of the disciples are screaming at the storm. Stop, stupid storm. You know, they're they're talking to Jesus and they're even asking things that they maybe should get in trouble for. They're questioning who he is. What, who are you, dude? Like, what are you doing? You're sleeping. Wake up, bro. You're Jesus. Calm this, this stuff. And Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. I didn't know they had cushions. Jesus has it. This is the one cushion on earth. You know, and, and another beautiful thing about this story is there's a specific spot on a boat for the seat of honor. There's always a seat of honor in Old Testament stories and New Testament stories. It's in the stern, rested. They have the most important person in the boat in the most important spot. Now, if it is a metaphor for life, is Jesus in the most important spot in your boat? It's not, is the storm too much for you to handle? It's about to drown some dudes. It's, is Jesus in the most important spot in your boat? Because if you look down and there's a person there, even a mentor, he's in the wrong spot, she's in the wrong spot. You need to Put them over here. It's good for them to be on your boat. It's cool to have people. Jesus has to be the one that is in the most important spot. And then you can get through anything. You can get through sorrow. You can get through problems that you don't have a clue about what to do about. And you can get through anxiety. Does that make sense? Now, sorrow, um, I'm going to read you this first. John 14, 27, if you'll pull this up. Oh, the pictures. I'm terrible at remembering what's on these things. I'm awful. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So there's an if-then situation in this passage. Like a lot of the passages Jesus speaks, what he's saying is you can actually let your heart be troubled. So don't. And the way that you do that is to accept peace that's from him that doesn't make sense, <laughs> which is hard. So can you bring up those pictures on the boat or again? Rembrandt is um, the man, basically. Everything good is through him if it's art. Um, this is a picture of Jesus on the boat. If you don't know who Jesus is on this boat, then you, you need a, an art buddy. Um, he's the one that looks like he's Swedish, which we all know is correct, right? Which one does Jesus actually probably look most like? None of them. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Rembrandt, are you serious? You're a terrible artist. So, so the question for us today, it's not calm the waves, right? Like, I would have loved, what if there's a picture of Jesus asleep and like 12 dudes sleeping next to him? Do they go under? I don't know. <laughs> Do they? So I was reading... Um, a book, and it gave this example about people walking through sorrow, which we all will face. It's part of life. You are going to lose things that you love. That's going to happen. And when you do, how will you walk through them? And when, see, this is the hardest thing for me, because this really tests who you say you are and what you believe. If someone you love is no longer with you, where are they? And for the Christian, the objective truth about what this peace means is that we will spend eternity with Jesus. 
and that brings us extreme comfort. Does that make sense? So for the people who are sorrowful, it's okay to be sorrowful, but know that you know that those people are with Jesus. Does that make sense? For the person who has problems they cannot understand how to fix, do not do anything without the peace of Jesus. If you're doing something and do not have that, stop doing it immediately. He's trying to show you through his spirit that he has a better way. You are not him. Get out of his seat of the boat and look to him. If you do not have his peace, do not go. And that is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of all the good coming your way. Third person, anxiety. Fear is attached to circumstances that have either happened in the past or that will happen in the future. It's not even about right now. Anxiety usually comes from either something from your past or something that you're afraid will happen. And this is the beautiful thing about our Jesus. He's actually the God of the past, the God of the future, and the God of right now. That's why it makes sense for you to be at one with yourself. Anybody who's received Jesus, you have to come to terms with there are terrible things about what you've done. Every one of us, even the best person in this room. And you have to also come to terms with you will probably do dumb stuff more in the future. And somehow in the midst of that, we've decided to put our trust in something, Jesus, that is bigger than that because the presence of him in the center of our life makes all that make sense. Makes us okay with the things we've done. Makes us okay with the things we haven't done. Makes us okay with the uncertainty about what we will, will or won't do. Does that make sense? And so all Christians get this choice, right? Some of you, you know, we're going to pray in a little bit. And some of you are just walking through awful stuff, right? But Jesus wants you to know he is there with you. He is there with you in the midst. Emmanuel, in your boat. And it's not your job to still the storms around you. You don't have any control over that. It's his job. And so all Christians get to do what Colossians 3.15 says. And you can pull this passage up. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Ah, Is it possible to be thankful when there are storms that are surrounding you and trying to destroy you? Is it possible? I just want to throw this at you. You know, ah, this could be heavy-handed. We actually had conversations about some of the struggles in our week this week, and it was, it was things like, what are some of the, you're not going to answer this, what are some of the things we're like always fretting about? Our kids are crazy. They're crazy. They're fighting, novice punching people. Nava literally walk up to Noah and just hit him and walk away. Just doesn't even make sense. You know, we, sometimes our cars don't work right. We'll have a flat. Like maybe somebody loses a job. You know, what is that compared to what's going on with Jason Jones right now? You know, like, we don't have, you know, like, relatively speaking, we have nothing to be worried about. Relatively speaking for all of us, we have nothing to be worried about. If Jesus is in the midst of your boat. This is not a salvation message. This is not supposed to be a salvation message. But I'll just tell you right now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, he came and became Emmanuel, and word became flesh, and he was all human and all God doesn't even make sense for your sake, to make peace between you and him, and to bring you life, and to bring you life more abundantly. 
That's the message of the gospel. And it's for you, and it's receivable. He doesn't try and break our arm into it. He offers, and then we receive it as a gift, and we want it. You know, that's, is Jesus even in the boat? You know, like, get him there. You can get him there. And James, would you mind going, going ahead and coming up? Um, or whoever's doing the closing worship. So I just want to challenge you guys in two ways today with peace, you know. These people in the Old Testament were so craving to, fi- to find peace. And when he came, they couldn't make sense of it. So today, we want to make sense of Jesus in our lives. He is here now. He is present. He is available. And he is with us. He's with us personally, and he's with us communally. And so personally for you, there's three things you can do if... <laughs> back to this. There's three things you can do if it, it's an open fire situation, according to this article, which I read. There's, there's three options, and it's, that's it. Flee, hide, fight. Those are the three options that everyone should know. If you hear something, flee quickly or hide, and if you have to, fight. And interestingly enough, gosh, should I even say this? I'm going to say it. The people in these situations that beg for their lives and cower into a corner, like, I mean, honestly, a lot of us would do, pretty much always lose their lives. The people who don't are the ones, and this is actual factual data, that attack the people in teams. Even, they say that if you can strategize with, like, this is never going to happen to us. If you can strategize with, like, three people and come from different angles and go at it, it, like, overwhelms them. It overwhelms no matter even how trained they are. It overwhelms them. Throw apples at them, kick books at them, do everything. Last thing to do is to hide in a closet. The last thing to do is hide in a room. And so today, for you personally who feel like, like there's no Jesus anywhere in your boat, I don't want you to flee. I don't want you to hide. No more hiding. I connect with people who hide because I tried to do it through substance for so long. And it works for just a little bit, and then it's worse. Stop hiding. Let's stop hiding. Let's fight it. And how do you fight it? With an aggressive peace called shalom. Everybody say shalom. It is an aggressive peace. It has an aggressive nature that actually absorbs things. It's a peace that absorbs things. And do it with a brother or sister, right? For we are the body, Colossians 3.15. So if you personally need peace... I want to help you find Jesus in your boat today. It's sometimes just a shift of perspective. If you're, if you're really, really needing peace, you cannot do it without the community of God. It's not about online sermons. It's not about how big a church is. It's not about smaller churches. It's about community. And it's not about pastor being your community. If, if I'm all you got, you're in trouble. I'm just going to throw that out there. I can't even remember a picture I put on the, the thing I created. You need the people around you. If you're not in community and you don't have peace, let's not even talk about peace until you're in community, okay? Let's not even discuss it. Get your tail in community. People need to know you. People need to know what you love, hate, how you smell, what you struggle with. People need to know when you struggle. And it's not just about tell me your sins and I'll tell you mine. It's not that. It's about falling in love with each other and God. And in the midst of that, discipleship happens. Peace comes to the community of God and actually is a picture of heaven. It's the clearest picture of heaven, peace, because there's complete unity. 
And so for you today, like, I'm not going to keep rambling. I used to watch storm chasers, and I was like, what are you doing? You're stupid. Why are you driving to a tornado? The tornado is huge. I'm looking at it, driving into a tornado, right? What the crap are they doing? This is so tacky, over-spiritual guy. Jesus is looking for storm chasers? Uh. <laughs> See what I did? Like a total, total youth sermon. Jesus is looking for storm chasers. But take away that. Listen, please look at me. There are tornadoes over people in your life right now. There are people right now who are in the, some of the strongest storms you've ever seen. Like comparably speaking to yours even. Like you can even giggle at yours. To some of the people in your life. And he wants you to get in your storm truck drive straight into the center of it and do the best ministry I've ever seen Jesus do that he did on this boat, which was sit in the middle of it and not say anything. Ministry of presence sometimes is the best thing that you can give someone. It's not words. It's not trying to fix it. It's not being afraid about, oh, I don't even know what to say. It's just driving straight into the middle of it and placing yourself there. And you're more like Jesus sometimes when you don't talk, most of the time when you don't talk. Get in your truck and drive into somebody. You want to talk about what Christianity is about? It is not about us getting bigger. It is not about this church getting bigger. It's about you driving Jesus into storms. That's Christianity. And that's what our world needs. And thank God he got in his storm truck. So cheesy. And drove into our tornado and didn't try and make sure the tornado was gone before he did it. Don't be the storm chaser that waits for the storms to be gone to show up either. Because that's not the gospel. For there to be peace, you have to be able to see the lack of it around it. That's why they screamed at the dude to sleep. Because he was the only person in the boat that was at peace. You can be that and you need to be that. And that's probably the biggest challenge for you today. And as I prayed, I knew it was that many of you are at peace and probably know what's going on. And you need to drive into somebody's life, you know. You need to sit in the hospital room with the Joneses. You need to be there when someone, when it's so awkward to be with someone, you know. If you guys want to stand to your feet. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes before we do this. And I'm just going to ask you to ask the Lord who. That's all I want you to ask. And I just personally believe that he speaks to his sheep. Now I know he does it through his word. I also believe he does it through his Holy Spirit. And I know that he does it through the community. Who do I drive my storm truck into? Who do I, who do I say, all right, this is scary, it's awkward, I'm not going to be comfortable at any moment in this, but I have Jesus in me, and I can take peace into this, even if it doesn't provide a calm storm. I can drive into this. And then just lastly, this just... Some of you just need to throw yourself in a community. You need prayer. You need, you need your story heard. You have a storm people don't know about. Hear me when I say this. If you're walking through a storm, it is not the Jesus way to keep it hidden until it goes away. That's, that's the American way. Like, make sure everything looks good. Immediately, if you're in a storm, bring it to the surface. Let people know about it, you know? Prayer doesn't hurt. It helps. So today, Father, we just, as we prepare for Advent... As we continue to welcome you in this season, we welcome you in this room right now to be Emmanuel in our hearts and in our boats and in our storm trucks. In Jesus' name.
So the Bennett's are going to come up and do the reading for today, and then we're going to have some prayer at the end. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.